This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Two words, get real. This November series is get real. You know why? Because God can't bless who you're pretending to be. So get real. Over these last several months, I've been preaching and teaching about the coming of the Lord and this culture and the end times. We don't have enough time for you to pretend to be something you're not. So let's get real. Let's take off the mask and be honest with God. And then you can be honest with yourself. And then we're all winners because you can then be honest with us. Uh, So... Why don't we get real this month? It's the month of November. And today, my subtopic in this part one is a really thought-provoking two words put together. And it's this, accept acceptance. Accept acceptance. Why don't you just go ahead right now and prepare your heart to receive the word of the Lord. And that word today is why don't you just receive what, what God's wanting to give you and what we're wanting to give you. If you'll just accept it, I promise you this much, you'll be blessed. Father, over the next few minutes, I pray that, Lord, that we just set this month up like a ball on a tee, that we just set it up for success. Let this first Sunday of November, let it just catapult us into greatness in your word and in your spirit. And I pray a blessing on this nine o'clock service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever thought about who or what really has the right to determine if you're a success or a failure? I think that we put way too much voting rights into the wrong hands when it comes to voting on us. Bishop Ron has alluded to it and I had it in my notes here this morning that we're all gonna have the right if you have yet to do so. You're gonna have the right and the freedom to vote Tuesday. But there's a whole lot of voting going on when it's not even an election season. There's a lot of voting on ourselves and on one another that I believe that no one really has the right to vote on you. No one has the right to judge you. No one really has the right to Um, assess you or to qualify you. And after reading Furtick's work, Unqualified, I can totally see that there is a danger in allowing ourselves to be guilty of judging, assessing, qualifying other people and ourselves because it's a trick of the enemy to keep us from our full potential in God. If if you're rated a B student, then there's something that goes on in your psyche that says, I'm never gonna be an A. If you're a third stringer, most of the time it tells you that you're not good enough to be a second stringer. And if you're a second stringer, most of the time, it tells you that you're not good enough to be a first stringer. 
because we choose to look at every reason why we can't be anything better than what we're rated or what we're voted, what we're assessed to be, instead of taking that judgment and letting it be the fire in us to get us off the backup squad into the game, most of the time we just say, well, I'll always be a B student. I'll always be a third stringer. I'll always be a backup. And uh, the truth of the matter is we're giving that say-so to too many people too often because at the end of the day, there's only one person that has the right to pass that word of judgment on us, and that is the word of God and God himself. Can I have an amen this morning? Here's two extremes that never work out too good in this line of thinking. One person that, one extreme is the one person that worries and worries and worries and worries and worries about what everybody else thinks about them. Does anyone know someone that really needs to let go of the worrying about what other people think about them? Anybody know anyone like that? Nudge your neighbor and say, I know you, you're like that. There's a lot of folks that struggle with this idea that only thing you worry about The only thing you worry about is what other people think about you. That's why you dress certain ways. You dress because you want other people to like the way you're dressing. You eat food, certain foods. You don't even like those foods, but you pretend you like those foods because you want to be appreciated for liking those certain kind of foods. We've, we're, we're, we're navigating through something kind of interesting in our household. It's called a, a blended racial family. Uh, I, people ask me all the time, what's your background? I have no idea what I am. I'm an old Heinz 57, I guess. Uh, I don't know really what my pedigree is. I've asked my mom and dad and they both don't know. And I mentioned this to someone recently and they said, you need to do one of those DNA tests and find out what your, what your bloodline is. But my wife, on the other hand, she's, she knows she's full, fully Hispanic. So when you mix this culture with that culture, it brings on things that some cultures don't have to navigate through. This last week, Denora made my favorite meal. I have a favorite meal, probably like some of you. My favorite meal is, a, is I want the biggest, spiciest bowl of gumbo I can eat. I, I'll eat gumbo in June. I'll eat it in January. It doesn't matter. If it ends with why, that day I want gumbo. I love gumbo. But on that day she made me gumbo was the same day that she bought, she bought from a, from a, a gentleman in our church, uh, our drummer actually, Sam Rodriguez, his parents, pastor, uh, a wonderful Spanish-speaking church here in our community. And we, we love the Rodriguez family. And they were doing a fundraiser with tamales. Any tamale lovers here? So Denora bought tamales. So at our dinner table on, on one of these particular nights last week was a bowl of gumbo, and a plate of tamales. We're just working this thing out. 17 and a half years of marriage, we're just working it out. So Selah has a bowl of gumbo and some tamales. Denora, myself, and our little Esme, we all just had gumbo. Well, I looked over and I thought, well, this is a great opportunity, Brother Monty, to kind of brag on our family and how unique we are. And I said, Selah, look at you. You've got gumbo and tamales. You're, that kind of represent 
your, your background, your, your, your heritage. You know me, I love gumbo and Louisiana raised and your mom, tamales, it's really kind of neat. And she goes, yeah, I love them both. So we continued to eat and everything was quiet because we were eating and that little pistol of six years old never looks up. And as you could tell, she looks a little bit more like the white person in the family than her mom. She says, I just like white food. And, and I thought, you're six. Where does this come from? So her mom and I, we just, we, we just kind of gave each other the, you ever given someone the side eye where you just go? I gave her mom the side eye and Denora gave me the side eye and we thought, what do we do? How do we address it? That sounds like racism at the table. What do, what do we do here? So Denora, I just like, I just put another spoon in my mouth. <laughs> Denora says, babe, what is white food? And I mean, she never misses a beat. She's six years old and she goes, you know, sweet tea, chicken, bread, butter, cereal, you know, white food. And she kept eating. And me and Denora just went, well, that's pretty much white food. <laughs> Here's the thing. We put so much, so much voting rights into everyone's hands. There's people eating food that you don't even like just because you want to make sure that someone else likes you. Are you tracking with me this morning? But then there's the other extreme. This person wants to have everyone think well of them. But then there's the other extreme. You know that person that says, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. It's my way or no way because I don't care what anybody thinks. No one has a say so in my life. It's my life and my way of doing things. Well, that's the person that actually cares more and it's their way of medicating and coping with the idea that they're struggling trying to get everybody to affirm them. That's their way of dealing with this inner pressure that we're all dealing with because down deep we really, we want people to accept us. So we either, one side says, I need everybody to accept me and I'll do whatever it takes to be accepted. Or the other side that says, I, I don't think that's right, so I'm just not gonna have anyone have a word of say in my life. And, and, and there's something better than those two extremes and I wanna preach about it this morning and that is stop trying to be people pleasers and stop trying to rub people wrong and why don't we receive our acceptance from the one that matters, and that is from God. Because if you're over here, you could shelf God's opinion because everyone else matters more. And if you're over here, you can shelf God's opinion because you don't think he has one either. And there's a spot in the middle that says, I'm gonna wake up every day and I want to accept the acceptance from God. In this first part of this series called Get Real, I wanna, I wanna just kind of work here a little bit. This is how this whole assessing thing and judging thing normally goes down. Most of us have passed a word of judgment 
assessment on other people and ourselves on these two things. These are in your sermon notes at Calvary FTW in your app. If you wanna open up your app, these are there. Here's how it normally goes down. We run it through the filter of these two things, character and competency. Character and competency. Everybody listen to me for just a few minutes this morning. Character is, it refers to who we are. Not just Tommy Brandon, our names, but it refers to our nationalities. It refers to our personalities. It's our morals. It's our values. It's our emotional makeup. It's what we like. It's what we dislike. It's our taste. It's our style. It's our manners. The list can go on and on and on and on. Character is who you are. Most of the time, you pass a word of judgment or a feeling of assessment on someone because of who you think they are, who they are. And it's, let's invert this. You, you assess yourself because of who you think you are. But then competency is not who you are. Competency refers to what you do. So I'm, I'm assessing you by who you are and, and subconsciously I'm assessing you based on what you do. And what you do meaning it's that sum total of your training, your background, your experience, your achievements, your talents, your activities, even your potential. It's how good you are at what you do or how poor you are at what you do. And uh, it tells me so much about you. That's why... Uh, when you meet someone, you say, hey, what's up? I'm Tommy. And then the next thing you ask is, what do, because we've all asked the question. Because we want to know who you are and we want to know what you do. Because if I can know who you are and if I can know what you do, I'm going to get to judge you. I'm going to get to assess you. I'm going to get to grade you. Are you an A minus? Are you a D plus? What are you? Are you a 10 or are you a four? Because based on who you are and based on what you do, I feel like I've got the freedom to assess you. And then guess what you do then with that? You're either going to want me to affirm you or you're not going to care what I think. And this whole cycle turns into an absolute mess that keeps us from being who and doing what God wants us to do. Yes. Amen. Yes. We need to grow up and we need to get real and get real with God where we can get real with ourselves, where we can be real with others and become who God wants us to be. Someone say amen. Someone say, get real. What we do when we find out how broken we are and how messed up we are and how limited we are, what we do is we try to fix those things by, by overcoming them or replacing them with strengths. We, when, we're, when we're running low in this area of who we are and what we are, we try to overcompensate by being greater in this area because if we can just keep the scales in our favor, I may, not be a, I may not be a fast runner, but if I can hit home runs all the time, it doesn't matter how fast I am. See what I'm saying? 
So we, we, we always looking to fix these things that are called limits and flaws and issues when in reality, stay with me this morning, when in reality, it's really not about who we are. It's really not about what we do because it's really not about us. I'm gonna take us back for the next 30 seconds to the most basic, the most fundamental starting point of faith. This is really where faith shines its brightest. Will you just accept the fact that God created you? And there is a reason. Now this is gonna, this is gonna rub some of you wrong. There is a reason that you're limited in certain areas. Because God needs to remind you every single day that you need him. You're not superhuman. You're not, here's Tommy's way of saying it, you're not perfect. Nudge your neighbor and say, now I know he's talking about you. You're not perfect. And to my friend Dwayne, all the way to my friend Mike, from corner to corner in this building, it's a gentle reminder of the creator God when you see some flaws in who you are and when you see some flaws in what you do, it's God's way of saying, you need to get your eyes off of you and get your eyes on me. I created you with those limitations, with those flaws, with those challenges, with those setbacks to gently nudge you and tell you, you need me. And what you need most of me is my acceptance. I spent some time recently reading and digesting a powerful writing, and some of you might wanna write this down if you, if you love to follow up with sermon material. This is incredible. I spent, it's taken me some while to really chew on it. It's, it's rather a deep, uh, deep drink here, but the writing of Peter Van Bremen. Peter Van Bremen uh, wrote a little, he has a little piece called The Courage to Accept Acceptance. And for the next few minutes, I want to use his material directly. I'm going to use his material directly on this very subject. So pardon me for, for reading a little bit too much here, but I think it's so good that it needs to be heard. One of the deepest needs of the human heart is the need to be appreciated. Everyone say, appreciated. Every human wants to be valued. Everyone say valued. We can say that every human being wants to be loved. Can you say loved? So we've heard words like appreciated, valued, and loved. But there is, however, Bremen says, a deeper need, and that is one of acceptance. Every human being craves to be accepted accepted for what he is. Nothing in human life has such a lasting and fatal effect as the experience of not being completely accepted. When I'm not accepted, then something in me is broken. A baby, a baby who is not welcome is ruined at the roots of his existence. 
A student who does not feel accepted by his teacher will not learn. Many of the life histories of prisoners reveal that somewhere along the way they went astray because there was no one who really accepted them. Listen to this. A life without acceptance is a life in which a most basic human need goes unfulfilled. Acceptance means that the people with whom I live give me a feeling of self-respect, a feeling that I am worthwhile. They're happy that I am who I am. Acceptance means that I am welcome to be myself. Acceptance means that though there is need for growth, I'm not forced. I do not have to be the person I am not. I'm given room to unfold, to outgrow the mistakes of the past. In a way, acceptance is an unveiling. Every one of us is born with potential, but unless it's drawn out by the warm touch of another's acceptance, it will remain dormant. Acceptance liberates everything that is in me. Only when I am loved in that deep sense of complete acceptance can I become myself. The love, the acceptance of other persons makes me the unique person that I am meant to be. When a person is appreciated for what he does, he is not unique. Someone else can do the same work, perhaps even better than he. But when a person is loved for what he is, then he becomes a unique and irreplaceable personality. So indeed, I need that acceptance in order to be myself. When I am not accepted, I'm a nobody. I cannot come to fulfillment. An accepted person, though, is a happy person because he is opened up because he can grow. And I close with Peter Van Bremen's words, his words of, of, of right here in this closing portion of his writing. I am accepted by God as I am. As I am, not as I should be. To proclaim the latter is an empty message because I never am as I should be. I know that in reality, I do not walk a straight path. There's curves, there's wrong decisions, which in course of life have brought me to where I am now. And the scripture tells me the place on which you stand is holy ground. Somebody hear the word of the Lord this morning. God knows my name. Isaiah 49 says, see, I have branded you on the palms of my hand. God can never look at his hand without seeing my name. And my name well, that's me, and he guarantees that I can be myself. I know it's rather lengthy to read and in a public gathering, and hopefully you were able to keep up with some of it. Have you ever thought to yourself, oh, I wish he would change? Have you ever thought to yourself, oh, if she would just grow up? Have you ever thought to yourself, there's so much about me that needs to develop? Ladies and gentlemen, that's the work. That's the work of the enemy in your life telling you and, and pulling you away from this truth that God loves you just as you are and he loves you so much that God's not gonna leave you just as you are. But if you take over, if you take over the reins, you will become so beaten down with who they are and who you are that you'll forget about the potential of overcoming yes. what's held you back. Yes. 
Let me give you these few points this morning as we wrap up this morning's service, starting this series off. These are points found in your sermon notes. Peace and confidence come through one thing and it's acceptance. Here's three things that we're all gonna have to get a hold of and we're gonna work from these three things for the rest of the month. Number one, God's unconditional acceptance of you. You just think someone in this room knows you. No one knows you such as God knows you. Guess what he knows about you? Everything no one else knows about you. Guess what he knows about you? What you pray to God no one else ever learns about you. And guess how he's different than everyone else? He still accepts you. I'm not smart enough. I'm not articulate enough. I'm not gifted enough to really uproot this problem that I'm seeing in my spirit. I wish that I was so sharp to be able to put my finger on it. But there's something that comes down deep from a legalistic background. There's something as a root down deep in a religious home that drives this weird thought down deep in every one of our minds. If you grew up lucky enough to grow up in a Christian home, if you weren't blessed with understanding pastors and parents and and, and mentors and coaches and teachers, then you would probably fall into this category. How can he really accept me? Because there was a, there was a, secretive or that's probably not the best of words there was this um there was this approach subconscious approach to teach and preach and lead towards perfection and God's not looking for perfection because he's already found it within himself God's looking for someone that needs him it would be as though if I had a full glass of water I could simply walk around with my full glass of water. I'm not looking for water. I have water. I'm looking for the thirsty. And God, Sister Joyce, Gentry, God's not looking for perfection. He's found it. He is. He's looking for men and women and students and and people on the planet Earth in in November of 2016 that says, I'm, I'm tired of assessing myself and I'm tired of being assessed. I'm tired of being judged by others. I'm tired of judging myself because all I see are my issues and my hangups, my setbacks, my challenges, my problems. All I see is a D or a C or a four or a five. I need something better. And God says, I'm what you're needing. I accept you just as you are because I made you that way to remind you, you need me. Bishop Ron has told me about a sermon preached in this church many, many, many years ago. If I was willing to bet maybe late 70s, early 80s, I can't remember the date, but a a foreigner to this church, a traveling evangelist, preached a title that I wasn't even here and I still know the title because it left such an impact and that was a need for a need. In other words, what most people really need is to need God. Because if you're rating yourself as a 10, you don't need him. If you're an A plus, 4.0 or greater, you don't need him. 
But the minute that you get real and realize that you're not all that, and the minute that you get real and realize that you're coming up short in a lot of areas, you have a need for a savior, for a difference maker. And ladies and gentlemen, that right there should bring a conviction upon this house. It should bring a conviction upon every single one of us that we don't need people to give us a pass. We don't need to feel good about ourselves. What we need is to just simply receive and accept his acceptance. Number one was God's unconditional acceptance of you. You ready for this? Number two, your acceptance of yourself. Even including your weakness. This means confronting the parts of you that you would just love to ignore. It means knowing that who you are and who you're not in Jesus and not yourself. If God loves you, why can't you love you? Most of the time, well, I can't love me because they don't love me. I can't accept me because they don't accept me. I can't be okay with this because they're not okay with this. But God's okay with you. God loves you. God's reaching for you. God's accepting you. So how about we just step up out of the status quo? How about we be different? How about we be separate than this culture and this world and not put all of our stock in what others think? And why don't we accept God's love for me? Someone say, I received the word of the Lord. And then last but not least is your acceptance of God's process of change. Because just because he loves you as you are doesn't mean that he's done changing you. Here is, herein lies the theological and at times doctrinal difference between untruth and truth. God does accept you just as you are, but God's not willing to leave you the way you are. And if anyone's preaching to you and teaching you from the word of the Lord, it tells you you can live however you want to live and be whoever you want to be and God's just willing to love you no matter what, they're only partially right. God does love you no matter what and there's not one single thing that can separate you from that love, but he loves you so deeply and richly that he doesn't want you to have to stay the way you are. Why? Because he wants to draw you closer to him, which is what? Closer to perfection, closer to holiness, closer to righteousness, closer to godliness, to himself, closer to love. He's in the reaching business to the 
limited, broken, shattered, disturbed, disappointed, to pull them out of a world that's only based on your character and your competency and pull you into a world that's based on his acceptance, love, and changing ability and power. Here's what grace really does. Grace doesn't allow for you to be whatever you want to be. Grace allows you to be more like him. This is going to be something that you're going to have to go back and listen to a few more times. Because some of you have roots that just going to have to be dug up. Not going to happen overnight. Them roots run deep. And that old, that old way of thinking of perfection, that old legalistic lifestyle of performance. And boy, you got to, you know, we just had, in our culture, we just had Halloween. Well, the big thing about Halloween is it's, it's not so much the dark and the gloomy and all that. While there is a portion of that, the big thing with Halloween is everybody dresses up. Problem with us, there's a lot of Halloween things going on in the church for years. People just dressing up. We're anti-Halloween, right, in our faith. Halloween's like every church service sometimes. People wearing their masks, putting their cape on, flying into the sanctuary. Meanwhile, they get in the parking lot and limp to their car. Get real, man. Why don't you just get real with yourself? Because we all know it. Wouldn't it be incredible if we could all just be real? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's real. He's really preaching to you now. Actually, while you're turning, say, won't you wake up for a few minutes? Just for a few minutes. Just, just, just give the man three minutes. Just three minutes of awareness. Just three minutes. I love doing that on nine o'clock. If you could only see them. That I see at the nine o'clock service when I... Kind of like the old country church grant. The old country church when the preacher used to have someone pray dismissal prayer every single Sunday. He would choose a different brother in the church. Well, one Sunday he wanted to change it up and have him pray over the offering. So he said, Brother Richard, praise God, Lord Jesus, won't you come and pray? Well, Richard was catching him a nap, as so many do. And his wife said, Richard, 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 he's asking you to pray. Richard stood up and said, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us in this service. It's been a wonderful service. Bring us back next week until the appointed time. In Jesus' name. And his wife said, over the offering. We'll catch some of you one day. I ask you to pray. Listen to me here. God loves you. You need to start loving yourself. Stop beating yourself up so much. And what's driving you to beat yourself up is what everybody else is thinking about you. Forget what everybody else is thinking about you. Don't be that guy with a bad attitude about it, but put your worries about what God's thinking about you. Be a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. But then accept his process of change. If you're as close to God today as you were with the day you met him, 
you haven't changed much. That's why over around this entire church campus, you see it everywhere. And today is our first week of our final growth track of the year. This church exists for these purposes, to get people to know God, to know God, and in that process of knowing God, they can find freedom from their issues, meaning to grow, to develop, to unfold, to mature. And that's what God's plan is for your life. So we're gonna be dealing with identity, weakness, and change this series. And I close with this, and I'm gonna have a moment of prayer over you today. Theologian Paul Tillich defines faith as the courage to accept acceptance. And he's only talking about God. Listen to this statement. We may think that such faith does not demand much courage, but courage is required and very often it's courage that is lacking. Will you believe God enough to let him take you on the journey of change? Will you trust God enough to allow him to go to work in your heart? Not just to save you, but to grow you and develop you into becoming the man and woman of God that he wants you to be. It's going to take courage. And that's my prayer for you today. I want you to stand quickly this morning. I would like our prayer partners to come. I'm a little bit over my time and, and we're not going to stay here long, but I want, I want this moment with you. I want this moment with you. Today, this moment of prayer ministry, if you are sick in your body today, if you have any issues going on in your life today, if you just want the church to be able to pray for you, I, I specifically ask James and Karen to be prepared. I just wanted to have a little prayer time with you as a family today. I know some of you are going through some uh, making big decisions that I'm aware of. You've trusted me with that. This, this prayer time is for some of you making those big decisions. There's others of you that are navigating through some, some, some murky water. And then there's some of you, though, that it's really about this sermon that it's time for you to start getting real. And, and what I would ask you to do is just to simply take off the mask and allow God to love you. <laughs> I close with this last illustration. Have you ever tried to love on a child and then be distracted? And you, all you're wanting to do is hug on them and then be thinking elsewhere? You ever tried to, come here, let me give you a hug and maybe they thought they didn't, they're a little too cool for the hug. Don't be too cool for God's love today. Don't be so distracted that God can't love on you today. This is not an old-fashioned evangelistic altar call. This is a whosoever will moment of prayer that will allow you to reach up and touch God for a moment. 
And I know we have a class to get to, so I need to hasten and I need to allow you to come. But I'm about to pray. And while I pray, won't you come and just let God love on you for a moment before we go elsewhere today? Bow your heads. And, and while I pray, put your feet into motion. Come find a pew or an altar. Come find a prayer partner. And let's enjoy a moment of prayer together before we're dismissed. We won't be long. Father, right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray a blessing over these in this room. I thank you, Lord, for these that are already making their way. There are men and women here today. There's couples here today, God, that just, while we've had a wonderful church service, they need more than a service. They need a, they need a touch from God. God bless you today as you're coming. These are men and women, God, that just need a special touch from you. They need to feel your hug. They've been so busy. They've been so distracted. Maybe they've, maybe they've become so independent that they're just not sure if they need a hug from their spiritual father. But Lord Jesus, you know exactly what they need. And I just pray right now for a moment of great sobriety and conviction to come upon this house. We just want to be real with you today, Lord. We just want to accept your love. We want to have an open hand to accept your gift. Come on, church. Won't you pray with me for a moment before we go home? Won't you reach up and reach out and let God touch you real good? Lord Jesus, let your spirit fall down in this room. Pour it out like water. Pour it out, God, into every empty heart. Blessing them and ministering to them. Bless them real good, Lord. Father, we bring you our <laughs> we bring you our flaws and we bring you God our scars. We bring you Lord all of the stuff Lord that we we want to hide it. We don't want anyone to be aware of it. We bring you our imperfections, our struggles. <laughs> we bring you our challenges. Because God, you already know about them and you never stop loving us. Even our sin, our sin. You've loved us throughout that. You want to bring us out of it, but it's not going to keep you from loving us. But Lord God, we oftentimes fall into this trap of being unlovable. And we just pray in Jesus' name that we receive a freedom and a liberty to be loved, to be accepted, to be forgiven, to be appreciated, to be valued. In Jesus' name, all over this room, why don't you lift up your hands and open up wide and receive this final prayer today? Physically and in your posture, open up wide and receive this prayer today. Holy Spirit of God, here we stand ready to be received as we receive you. Bless this nine o'clock service at this point of dismissal. Thank you for every single one of them. And I ask you just to encourage them. Let them not be weary and beaten down and discouraged. But Father, lift up their countenance. It doesn't matter what other people are thinking about. It's not really important what we even think about ourselves. What really matters, Lord, is that you stand waiting to love us. And we accept that today. In Jesus' name. And let everyone say an amen. Can we clap our hands to the Lord in dismissal this morning? Amen. Amen.
God bless each and every one of you. And we just pray a blessing on you. And go and enjoy a wonderful